You know the problem with Hollywood is? They make shit. Unbelievable, unremarkable shit. Now, I'm not some grungy wannabe filmmaker that's searching for existentialism through a haze of bong smoke or something. No, it's easy to pick apart bad acting, short-sighted directing, and a purely moronic stringing together of words that many of the studios term as prose. No, I'm talking about the lack of realism. Realism. Not a pervasive element in today's modern American cinematic vision. You're listening to Movie Sucktastic. Pardon me. Yes, that is a great way to start the show. Yeah. Episode whatever. We could, we could, we could, we could just start again. By that. So <laughs> welcome to Movie Sucktastic. We're gonna, uh, this is uh, our first Movie Sucktastic interview. Yes, we are going to be interviewing John Dimes, the author of uh, There Are No Bad Movies, Just Bad Audiences. Right. And uh, it was actually a very good read, very interesting read. Uh-huh. Uh, a lot of the chapters, you can definitely relate with them. You know, you can definitely relate with a lot of the chapters. I mean, there are some things that I absolutely do not agree with, mm-hmm. uh, and we'll bring that up in the interview. Well, and, it's great because when, when he first contacted us, he said, "Listen, I got a book out, and it's called There Are No Bad Movies, Just Bad Audiences.'" Exactly. And the whole book is pretty much a premise against the idea of critics. It's yeah. that, that people that criticize films and mock films, make fun of films, are actually just yep. s- spoiled, or you know, they're just they're not in the spirit of movies. And I mean, uh, just a couple of the chapters, just to you know, maybe whet your appetite. He has chapters like the book was better, or they could have shaved off a half an hour and it would have been perfect. Uh, in a lot of cases, and he argues against these ideas. Right? Th- yes, he doesn't believe that you know they should shave a half an hour off and the movie would be perfect. It's fine, just the way it is. Right. And we are what's wrong, not the movie. Right. You know, I don't agree with now, that. Obviously, Scott now, doesn't. But in some instances, you, you can. Now, you so can't agree with that. Now he contacted us, and uh, and my first thought was. We do a podcast about bad movies. <laughs> he knows yeah. we review films and we do talk, yep. call them bad. So this is perfect. It's, and and yep. it's and I got a feeling this would be a great interview. Now we've been spending months working on the high tech aspect of actually because we're neophytes at this. We're still doing this, you know, as we go along, learning yeah, as we go. Sure are. And we spent all this time. We're trying to figure out how to do an online interview and get a caller in through the computer and rig it all up. And we figured out what we're going to do. I'm going to take my droid. And we're going to prop it right here at the mic. Right on the mic. And I yep. put on speaker. Yeah. The microphone on the new droids are actually so good that this works great. Now, I have figured out how we can do a real phone interview in the future. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, but, but for today... We've been putting John off for a while now. and I, yeah, I, I We wanna, didn't want to do that any further. Yeah, I'm, I'm, tar- I'm tired of telling John, listen, you know, you're good for another week or so. But we're going to get this done with now. Now, while we were setting up, he actually called and left a voice message. Oh. So I'm going to check the voice message right now. Okay. I, let's, haven't, let's, I have not listened to this let's yet. Let's do that. I haven't either. Hopefully it's... On my awesome <laughs> droid. Uh, let me do the drop down. There you go. do 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 I'll just play Pocket God for a while. There you go. So, uh, you know, some of the other chapters he has in his book are, uh, let's see, we have 
The trailer was awful, so I'm not going to see the movie. Now, for us, if the trailer is awful, we're the opposite. We're going to see that movie. Here we movie. go. You have one new voice message. You have three saved voice messages. First voice message. Hey, Scott. This is John Dimes giving you a call. Um, obviously, I'm home. And uh, I'll be talking to you later. Um, absolutely. Oh, no, don't play that. John's number there. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, my. John, we have. We, we, it's the future now. Everything's. Uh, yes, it's, a, it's at, at wow. our fingertips. You can tell. You, you can tell. Pardon me. That's my. I, I didn't save it. So, All right, so let's just call John. Let's just cold, cold call John right yeah, now. Yeah, let's, let's see how it works. Let's Let's give it a shot. All right, John. I'm gonna put this right here. This is uh, the docking station, <laughs> and I'm gonna let Joey conduct the first half of this interview. I'll jump in, but you. Uh, Are you sure? You're a bit more prepared than me. I was scrambling uh, around this week, and I, we both read the book. Not but really, <laughs> here we go. Oh, I didn't put the speaker on. Hello, John. John, how you doing? This is Joey and Scott from Movie Sucktastic. You're talking over John. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> well, we're at, we're actually recording right now, so hopefully, it, do, you, do you want to go, John Dimes? Is that cool? Or yes, yes, yes. John Dimes is fine. That's fine. Yes. Cool. So we, we got we got my high tech hookup here. I've got my droid propped up against our microphone. That's right. <laughs> I don't want to put you off another week. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, I Scott. It, I, just, I just want to get that just to just to have it just go droid every five minutes. Sounds good to me. That's right. Okay. I'm a trainer. So, uh, I actually well, uh, let's introduce. Oh. This is the podcast. We have to introduce. We just we were just introducing you before we called you. Oh, so you have a new that. book out. It's called uh, "There Are No Bad Movies, Just, just bad, bad Audiences." audiences. I actually, I did read your book. It was a well, very entertaining and good read. I did enjoy it very much. So I'm glad. I'm glad to hear. Did you Did you learn anything? What did you well, learn? I, 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 <laughs> I, I don't. I don't agree with well, everything. Uh, well, I gotta say, I mean, John, I mean, John. First of all, I love the fact that you sent you sent the the the, the idea of interviewing you in the book to a podcast that reviews bad movies. It's like, well, that's perfect. Yeah, it's perfect for uh, us. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm quite fearless in that respect. I was like, you know, I'm bound to have it happen eventually where somebody is like, what the hell does God think? And so I just kind of, you know, beat everybody at the pass. And so, you know, that's, I, I thought it'd be fun to actually, you know, talk with folks about, uh, I mean, especially if, especially when they disagree with something about the book. So, like, they, so let, let me ask you, what did you what did you disagree about so we could uh, laugh about it or I, I could browbeat you? Yeah. Well, well, let me start off and ask you. I mean, obviously, you're you're, you're contacting a lot of people to try to to try to uh, get word out about your book. Did you get a chance to listen to any of our podcasts? You don't don't you don't have to lie. I what I did was I haven't had a chance because most of the time when I'm able to listen to podcasts, I usually uh, I'm at work and I'm not able to do it with the privacy I want. But I have read. Uh, one of the things that I did was I made sure that I read uh, a review that was written. I can't remember which uh, which of these fellows wrote the review, but. Superman Returns had me laughing my ass off. Ah, excellent. 
That was a painful one. Yes. Yeah, that was that was a collaboration a long time ago. And and you mentioned that in the uh, book too, which I like. Yes, yes. yes that's, what, that's what made me laugh because I was like, oh my god, this is going to be fun. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, John. One of the things that I wanted to bring up, um, and it's not something that we disagree with. It was one of your chapters, which was the trailer was awful, so I'm not going to see the movie. We're the complete opposite of that. Now, hold on. Let, let, let John explain that chapter. Give him a nutshell of that. Oh, let's see. What happened with that particular chapter was I was uh, I, I worked at, obviously, various and sundry video stores throughout my life. And uh, huh. that particular statement was made by uh, a boss. And uh, I just wanted to smack him in the face. I was like, you, you haven't seen the movie because you didn't like the trailer, but it's not the movie. I mean, I can understand if... You know, you, you, I can understand you're not liking the trailer. It makes sense to me that you didn't enjoy the commercial for the movie, but right. didn't something about it at least make you want to go see it regardless of the fact you hated the trailer? I mean, good God, that got on my nerves. Well, yeah, you know, it, that was one of almost the first chapter that I wrote where I was like, you got to be bloody kidding me. You didn't see the movie because you didn't like the trailer, but didn't you want to see the movie before... You saw the trailer? Exactly. I think a lot of people, when they go into the trailer, they go in not liking it. So when they see it, it just basically confirms their opinion, and then they don't go see it. Ah! I mean, I can understand if somebody says, well, I, I at the trailer, I, I was on the fence. I didn't have any money. Uh, it was my anniversary. Right, uh, I had something, something else better to do. Stop the person from the going to see the movie, but don't sit there and tell me that, uh, I mean, I mean, just look at the trailer and say, well, the subject matter didn't mean anything to me. But don't tell me, oh, the trailer sucked, so the movie must suck. You know, I'm like, dude, I just want to step in there. <laughs> exactly. Now, 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 on the no, other hand, though, and I agree with you, and as you go from, like, the 70s to modern day, like, in the 70s, they would pretty much just show clips from the film with the voiceover. Right. And yeah. but you're to the point now where, where trailers are their own art form. And they're like mini movies. Oh, yeah, they can't be. They can't yeah, be. Yeah, and, and they're also very tuned towards advertising. Because when you have some movies that come out, I can't remember, there's one that, that just did it recently, where they'll come out with two versions of the movie trailer, and one of them yeah. is like the comedy, but then the next trailer makes it look like a drama or an action film. Yeah, you know well, what? They uh, did just recently do that. Uh, they kind of did that with the, there's a recent movie out with the Vince Vaughn. Apparently, I, no, I haven't seen it, but I'm going the, by The Dilemma? Of, uh, yes, yeah, 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 apparently... Uh, it, it's it's a comedy, but it's it's sort of a dramedy at the same time. So what they're doing is they're emphasizing the comedy bit about it. So when you actually go in to see it, you're a bit disappointed by the fact that it's actually a little more sedate, a uh, 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 drama, and not because when you see Vince Vaughn, you don't automatically think, "Oh my God, you know, uh, uh, he's going to be a straight actor." Even though he has done some dramas in the past, but you know, nowadays you just see Vince Vaughn, you go, "Oh, it's going to be a comedy about Vince Vaughn being a smartass." Which is a cool thing, you know. Well, I'm the same way, because when I see a movie with Kevin James, I immediately expect disappointment. So it's kind of... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, the funny thing about him is that, uh, you know, uh, he's pretty much in the same league with, with the Keanu Reeves and... Uh, who's the other... Uh, there's another actor where... Or Nicholas Cage, where I, I see the three of these people and I automatically think a certain thing. And that's why I've been trying my best just give them a chance because I mean in the book I actually say well Keanu Reeves if you're a fan of Keanu Reeves uh, I can't help you out there because 
I like his movies, but him, you know, I'm, I'm not necessarily a good audience for him, but I'm a great audience for his movies. I mean, The Matrix, and I know when I say this, right. that everybody's going to say, what the hell are you talking about The Matrix? But I loved all three of The Matrixes. I really enjoyed it. And <laughs> the only reason why I can figure people loved you know, Reeves, especially The Matrix, because he looks like a Hong Kong action guy, you know? Right. He, he, he has that Hawaiian thing going on, whatever it is he's got, that makes him look like, okay, he looks like a karate action guy. That's why people, you know... And I think Keanu means, like, the wind in the sky or something like that. I think that's what his what? name actually means. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I think. I, I'm pretty sure, actually. I heard his name meant something, you know, uh, something, you know, something very metaphysical, but I'm like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you hear about they're doing a Bill and Ted 3. They're doing what? Bill and Ted 3. Yeah, yeah, they talked about that. On no, it's the, official. Uh, Keanu and Alex Winter that? are collaborating and having a third film made. What is that show called? Uh, 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 the TMZ, they, they showed the both of them walking down the street, and I thought they were kidding when they were going to do another one. But did you ever see uh, Alex Winter's... Uh, uh, God, what is oh, that great uh, the one on MTV? The, what? You the uh, Idiot Box. Uh, no, no. He, was that what it was called? Where, where it had, let um, the man finish. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> it, it, he's he's used to interrupting had, me. That's the problem. Because <laughs> it had uh, uh, Dennis Quaid in it, and it was at a circus. And oh, okay. Yeah, it was like a take on the the, the movie Freaks. Yeah. Oh, I love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, Brooke Shields. Yeah, she was, she was one of the she was one of the freaks, right? Yeah, I, yeah. Believe, I believe that was Alex Winter's like first and last shot at like trying to do movies. Yeah, he kind yeah. of dropped oh, out I after that. Because I love those giant Jamaican eyeballs. Because <laughs> <laughs> the whole time they're about eye and eye, man, eye and eye. Yeah, great, great. <laughs> what was that? It wasn't called Freaks. That was the, no. the black and white. It was called. It's funny because I was actually looking at a trailer for it. Uh, something else last month, and I forget now. Yeah. But it was definitely yeah, a take a, on that. It was a great movie because it had that kind of a uh, uh, killer clown from outer space thing that I liked a lot. You know? I, I remember having fun guys. with that. Good God. So what else did you not agree with about the movie so that I can, you know... Well, wait, no, I'm going to jump with another thing. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to jump with something else I agreed with because since you just mentioned uh, Nicolas Cage... No. Yeah. No, he did. He, he just mentioned oh, he Nicholas Cage. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, did, I, did, I thought it was Dennis Quaid. I did, but... I did mention Nicholas Cage. Yeah. Yeah, because because yeah. you talk about Tom Cruise in the book, and in past episodes, I am on record as defending Tom Cruise for because yeah, because yeah, you hit a point where everybody says, oh, you know, like the, the, the Hollywood is blamed like like the disappointing films he did, like oh, uh, Valkyrie didn't do well. It's all Tom's fault. He was fault. miscast in Valkyrie. No, yeah. so no, it's because no one was interested in watching the film at that point. It was. No, Mission Impossible Three. Oh, it didn't do well because he had that thing on Oprah. No, it didn't do that well because no one wanted to see a third Mission Impossible film. Well, that's Scott's stance. I actually do believe that that did play a part because it was so close to the opening of the movie and War of the Worlds as well. Spielberg has gone on record as to saying, "Yeah, I really wish he didn't jump on the couch that weekend because War of the Worlds came out that week. You know, the following weekend." You know, they said the same thing about the reason why Eddie Murphy didn't get his Oscar because they put out Norbit right after, you know, like, oh, soon as he got nominated. And, and I really hate to think, I mean, when I saw Tom Cruise jumping up and down on the couch, I was like, wow, <laughs> crazy. And, and, it, and, you know, you couldn't help but go, wow. Because before that point, Tom Cruise was really good about his, you know, 
had a certain, you know, a persona that you, you, you and you you rarely heard anything about him. So yeah, he never much. got in trouble. Yeah, he never got in trouble. The same with uh, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. You know absolutely zero about him, other than he, you know, uh, was dating Giselle or whatever. And it sort of goes back to that old Hollywood system of things where the, they gave you just enough information to, to, to tantalize you about that actor or actress without, you know, because they know people can't separate, you know, church right. and state. They can't separate the person from the movie. Now, I saw War of the Worlds sometime after she jumped up and down on the couch, and I saw Mission Impossible, all that stuff. And thankfully, I was able to go into the situation going, yeah, he's crazy, but the, I, I thought the movies were pretty damn good, especially War of the Worlds, because when you got the, uh, Steven Spielberg doing anything, including, <laughs> including <laughs> Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. Oh. <laughs> I love it. Oh. I, I like War of the Worlds, too. I did like War of the Worlds. Actually, one of the conversations that we had about War of the Worlds, it wasn't between Scott yeah. and I, but it was between Scott and someone else, saying, yeah. wouldn't, it have been in, wouldn't it have been interesting to see Tim Robbins walk out of that room instead of Tom Cruise during that fight scene, which you didn't see. You just saw something, you, know, you saw Tom Cruise walk out of the room. You didn't know exactly what happened, but you kind of did. But wouldn't it have been interesting yeah. to see Tim Robbins walk out? A whole different well, ending, yeah. Well, yeah. It, it's been a while since I remember that particular scene. Elaborate for me so I can remember it. Oh, it's when they're both... Because they were down in the basement, right? Yeah, Tim yeah. Robbins flips out, and then Tom Cruise says, I have to take care of this. And he like he makes her cover her ears, and he goes in the room, and there's a struggle. And then that's Tom... Right. Okay, that's right. That yeah. wasn't the basement. That wasn't the basement. Okay, okay, good. I thought it was, I thought it was thinking about... I mean, I, I defend the film. I like the movie. I, I, I think the reason it didn't do well is because people just weren't interested in the remake at that point of that movie. No. But I, what I will yeah. say is, the, my only complaint about that film is I'll yeah. buy Aliens Attacking the Earth. I'll, yeah. I'll buy that they were monitoring us all this time, but they didn't realize that the cold would kill them. Yeah. But, air. but it was the air. Or, no, it was, it was common cold. It was. Just like the original story. Yeah, they, it was they, the they always, yeah. The, yeah. Story, the story is always a common disease or something. Yeah. Right. I, I'll buy all of that. that but, what is, but what is it you're not going to buy? <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to buy Dakota Fanning screeching like that all through the film and not getting slapped just once. <laughs> Halfway through the film, I want to see her turned into, like, blood spray. I just, you know, it's... <laughs> that's all. I can't... And especially... You want her to, you want her to be thrown into a fan and just walk... <laughs> For, for for somebody who's for somebody who seems like so for Tom Cruise's character who seems like so like like not in control and just like kind of reacting to everything he has shown so much patience with these two whiny brats that I, I just are his kids for God's sake you you have put up with more with your kids and your dogs than you put up with complete and total strangers I'm know? sorry they're, they're, I think so he, was a, he was a good father he was a good father he was, I mean good God you got all those aliens around you of course you're gonna sit there and scream he's like. Yeah, baby, I understand, you know. Yeah, I mean, maybe at the end of the movie, after all the aliens are dead and everything, and she's still screaming, she'll put a pillow across her face, but... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. A a four-hour vacation road trip has made many parents consider uh, exactly how many dead kids they can fit in their trunk. Surviving (laughs) an alien apocalypse with Dakota Fanning screaming in your every five minutes, at least once he should have just, like, screamed at her. (laughs) Maybe not physical violence, but at least once... Well, I'll tell you one thing, though. If we do have an an alien apocalypse, I'm going to Boston. Because <laughs> Boston was completely untouched. Boston looked great. <laughs> no trees, no fire, no aliens. Foliage. 
if I saw Alien coming up, I mean, I, I you know, I, I do believe that the first thing I'm going to think about is going to, who is that dude that I just want to beat the crap out of him? Because if I want to die, I got to beat up everybody I've ever wanted to beat up. And then, think about safety. Or dance on their grave if they're already dead. That's, that's, that's my opinion about that. I've got to get, i got to like, I'm sorry, you know, I've always wanted to do this. Bat, bat, bat. Then think about safety. That's just my opinion about <laughs> my, my first action is just to figure out the quickest way to pledge allegiance to my new alien overlords. <laughs> I know you guys are talking about rebellion. I'm not involved in this whole rebellion thing. You guys have fun with that. <laughs> I'm one of the guys in V, like, signing up for the red shirts. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> I get to shoot the laser? I'll tell you one thing I didn't agree with. Oh, and and it's still with the Tom Cruise thing. It's very brief. It was in the... It's about Tom Cruise. It's yeah. the only thing I didn't agree with that was... You list the films that he's been in as far as uh, maybe where he was miscast, but where he acted very well. And one of yeah. the films is in that list is Legend, which I grew up with. I love that movie. But the oh, yeah, movie... I love that movie too, yeah. Yeah, the movie you used to say, Tom Cruise, yes, I, this movie he was great in was Interview with Interview the Vampire. With the vampire. Which, yeah, I don't yeah. think there's any debate about that. He's the only good thing in that movie as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> See, the funny, thing, the, the funny thing about the movie, when it first came out, everybody was on the uh, Brad Pitt bandwagon. When, I, when the movie first came out, nobody... Everybody really was focused on the fact that, oh, it's Tom Cruise, he's action hero, he's got his hair blonde, he's, you know, everybody was really about the cosmetic aspect of Tom Cruise as opposed to his performance. Right. And uh, I, I, at that time, I was pretty much the same way. I was like, oh, yeah, Brad Pitt, all these maudlin. And, and, of course, I was one of the geeks who actually read the book like five billion times, you know. And so when I went into the movie, I, I said, Tom Cruise. Whatever. And then the third time I saw Interview with a Vampire, I was like, damn, Tom Cruise is really, really good. And Brad, and Brad Pitt is like, well, you know, he's doing all right. But, yeah. but Cruise really was, I was amazed. And so that's, uh, you know, so when I wrote that particular chapter, I, I, I realized that I had I, I grown up. Okay. I was like, damn it. Yeah. If you All had right, said if you had said legend, I think oh, that man. I think it's to say yes, Tom Cruise was good in legend. Yes, I mean legend. That's where I was I was going with that. I think you're nitpicking. Yeah. Well, no, I'm not really nitpicking. <laughs> I I'm just saying I I and you know what? I think you're right. I think then it, yes, everyone was yeah. on the bit, uh, Brad Pitt bandwagon and saying, oh, Tom Cruise is in this, okay, whatever. And then now, when yeah. you look back at it, because, you know, years have gone by, it's been established, yeah, I think you yeah. are are right. Uh, I, yeah, now, definitely. What, I wanna, uh, what I'm curious about your feelings about uh, the Star Wars films. <laughs> uh, <laughs> did he say Star Wars? Like he did say Star Wars. <laughs> which, uh, which, which ones do you want to talk about? The first three? Of course, you know, the ones that I want to ask you about. <laughs> Well, I agree with you that that um, at first everybody was really hard on the the kid that played Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, sure. And yeah. I, I, I'm I'm a firm believer that when it comes to certain actors, you blame the yeah. director, not the actor. Okay. And I think for him, it was it was Lucas's fault that he did that he picked this kid because he wanted an unknown, right. and he picked the kid yeah. that probably wasn't 
ready to be in films or wasn't going to do well? Just because he liked the look or something? He was in movies before that, actually. But I just think for the role, I think like for the ep- for the type of film it was, I, th- I don't think the kid was right. I, I, I don't I, think it's his fault. No, I, I, I just think no, Lucas would you was... Compare his acting, would you compare his acting to Mark Hamill? Oh, no, Mark Hamill. No. Mark, Mark Hamill's acting was horrible. He does a good joker there. Because when I was uh, when I was interviewed by uh, uh, this other guy's name was uh, Joe McCarthy, and uh, oh Joe, yeah, he was yeah he was swearing by you know the original trilogy, and of course I swear by the original trilogy. Uh, but the trick was, you know, I was like, are, are you saying that Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher are really great actors? Because he was saying that the acting <laughs> sucked in the prequels. I'm like, so are you saying that? Jerry Fisher and Mark Hamill. And, and mind you, I, technically, I'm the kind of person, I go to a movie, I leave the movie, I understand why people would hate something or love something or all that kind of stuff, but for the most part, I'm like, well, I love this enough where I'm going to buy this again. Is it bad? Uh, it's, it's for, at, at some point, when you see a movie a billion times, like everybody see, have you seen Troll 2? <laughs> Okay, we'll bookmark that. Now, 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 so what I'm saying is, if you're comparing the acting and the scenarios and all that stuff from the original trilogy to the new ones, I really don't really see that much difference uh, uh, because I, I don't see any difference in acting other than Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford obviously stood out out of all the movies, including Billy Dee Williams as a rogue and actor and all that kind of stuff, in my opinion of things. But, you know, when, they, when people talked about that poor little kid, I was like, Jesus Christ, he's just Mark Hell, but it's a little boy. Right, he's a little it's kid. A little, yeah, I'm more... Know? I'm more harsh on the uh, the kid that played in the second in the second and third the teen oh, the teenager um, what's his name Oh, you're talking about uh, uh, Hayden, Hayden Christensen. Christensen. Yeah, yeah, yeah he, he's the one. There's that one scene where he's talking about like, like I hate the desert because it's all gritty and gets in it annoys you and he's like, like yeah, I feel the same about you. What the <laughs> you whiny bastard? I mean, it's just and again, I it's, I don't think it's it's not him as much as the film. It's the film's fault. I don't like him. I sit there, I'm going to ask you, so how would you have done that line? How would you have acted that line? Because I could not find any... So, I mean, he's delivering a line the way you delivered that line. It's like, whatever, how else are you supposed to do that? It's like... Well, I'm not, I'm not criticizing the line. I'm, I'm just... I was just saying, like, look, that line embodies my feeling of his character. And... <laughs> <laughs> now, what I don't... I mean, I, I understand what you're saying, but I'm like, but like, are you saying the character or the actor? It's that, and that's why that's why I'm agreeing with you. With I think a lot of us really hyped on the actors when it's really Lucas's fault that you don't like this. I will say for the for those sequ- those sequels or prequels, whatever yeah. hell you want to call them, that yeah. any scene with Ewan McGregor in it is an excellent scene. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah I definitely agree. I think he was the. I've said I think he was the only one because I think everybody else involved in this film was either too young or too old, where they didn't really uh-huh. like get into involved. Where Ewan McGregor was the only one who was like. Holy shit! I'm in Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, he was happy to be there. You you could like just see in his performance that he was so digging being Obi Wan, and it kind of oh, came yeah. through. And I think everybody else was like like Samuel Jackson and anybody else in the film. They weren't bad, but you could just tell for them it was just like any other movie. 
It's just you just get that know, feeling. For me, uh, Samuel Jackson kind of stood out in terms of okay, Samuel Jackson is not acting like Samuel Jackson because Samuel Jackson is like uh, uh, Demi Moore. They're not really actors; they're characters, and it's like yeah. When you see Samuel Jackson, you know what you're going to get, and yeah, that was the first time I said, "Hey, he's acting. He's acting not like Samuel Jackson. He's acting like the Jedi. He's reserved." And one of the things I definitely have agreed with people about when they say uh, when you have an actor like uh, 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 Samuel Jackson or uh, Liam Neeson. Um, Okay. One of the disappointments they had with these people were, was, or, or, or whatever, forget my pronouns, or whatever, was that you you have these actors and you, you expect so much out of them and then you don't get anything from them other than their archetypes. Yeah, okay. And, and that's one of the things that I, I can understand and, you know, and, and can agree with. However... I'm sure, and I don't know how, I, I've never met Lucas, but I think that's probably what Lucas was going for. He wanted you to have an expectation. When you see uh, Liam Neeson, you go, this is a father figure, he's an authority, authority figure. Uh, all the baggage that comes with him as that actor comes with him, and therefore, there's only so much, uh, there's only, you don't really need him to do any acting, you just need him to be that presence that, that, that fills that role. Um, and another thing that I remember talking with somebody about was that maybe Lucas should have filled in more instead of giving, uh, instead of having an actor that came with the baggage already, give you more uh, of, of a story for the character so you reinforce the character and not the actor playing their part. And I was like, okay, that makes, you know, that, m mind you, that only arrived after a lot of serious argument about it. And then we finally arrived at, ah, that's what people really wanted. They, 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 they wanted, they wanted, they said, well, what, why is, why is Qui-Gon Jinn the hot shit, you know? Right. Instead of, oh, well, we know why uh, uh, Liam Neeson is hot, you know? Well, you know, I think with uh, the, the the prequel films, I, I I think it really comes down, and this is my opinion only, uh, is I think this, so. This is in fact what you're saying. This is just... <laughs> this is my opinion. Okay, I think Lucas came out to direct those films. He didn't want anyone else to do them, but I think he came out and he was just rusty. That's my opinion. The first film, you can see it. It just didn't, in my personal opinion, it didn't have the same feel. As uh, you know, four, five, and six. He doesn't yeah. like. He's gone on record as to say, "I don't like directing. I, I, I prefer writing. I'd rather give the reins to someone else to direct." And when he came yeah. in and decided to direct the first three, I think by the time you got to Revenge of the Sith, you started to see, because in my opinion, that was the strongest of the three movies. You, you started yeah. to see, well, what if this was the first film? What would Revenge yeah. of the Sith have really been if he wasn't so damn rusty? That's just my opinion. Revenge of the Sith, that's, that's the one where, where the guy gets like, uh, it's a PG-13 film and they cut yeah. off all of his limbs and burn him alive? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the I, hell? I don't know. I don't know. All I know is that when I saw the movies, the, the thing that didn't really, so, it, it wasn't the directing that got to me because and he obviously understood beginning, middle, and end. He, uh, he understood the tint, uh, uh, he understood, uh, like, one of, the, I, one of the, the scenes that I thought was wonderful in the uh, in Phantom Menace was 
obviously everything going on at the same time near the end of the film well, with Darth Maul, with the Georgia Binks war and all the, you know, droids and all that kind of stuff. And obviously I said to myself, well, he, uh, he, 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 uh, he obviously is understanding, have all this stuff happening, builds all this wonderful tension, all of these parallel stories happening uh, that mirror each other, that are, 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 are that are important to each other, that are, uh, and, and and so I thought he did all that, orchestrated all of those moments so well that you know I, I I understand that you thought he was you know rusty, but for me I was like he he still understands how to make a film. Uh, I, the only thing that I thought was different from the originals was that, you know obviously he had more technology, he had more access to right. the computer generated imagery. Uh, one of the complaints that I've, I've heard about these movies that he made was they look like video games. And I'm like, so? That's right? what you do. <laughs> you know, this is this is what you go to see. I mean, well, I'll uh, tell you, the video game with the pod race scene is awesome. That's I a- loved that scene. <laughs> I loved that scene. I, I, I had a great time. That was another moment where you go, wow, you know, he, he it, it, it felt right, everything was timed right, and, and and one of the things, again, when I said the word time right, it, it, I, I get irritated that I said that because I do have a chapter in the book, you know, uh, that says when a movie is too long or something. Yeah, actually, I believe it's, uh, they could have shaved off a half an hour and it would have been perfect. And I hate that statement. <laughs> <laughs> I well, one of the things you uh, you go on to talk about. when people say that because... The movie is as long or as short as the director or writer wanted, oh, well, not the writer, but well, if it happens to be the, the director and the writer, wanted it to be. And if you got bored, then that's not the director's fault. You know, it's... It, uh, I, yeah. I, I do think, if we want to talk about that chapter a little bit, if we want to move away yeah. from Star Wars and talk about that chapter wait, a wait, bit... Wait, wait, I just have to... Wait. I agree and disagree, and I'll explain why. Okay. You want to talk? You want to say something first, Scott? Oh, I just wanted to say Star Wars real quick. That You, you said your theory behind the films. My yeah. theory behind the yeah. Star Wars prequels is that they were all paid back for Howard the Duck. <laughs> <laughs> See, See, that's the sort of thing. You know, the only reason why I didn't like Howard the Duck was there was one scene in Howard the Duck where... Howard is looking up at, uh, I, I think her name is Beverly the movie, because I, I can't remember, because it's been billions of years when I saw Howard the Duck. But when he's looking up at her, I thought his head was going to fall off. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but that movie almost destroyed him. I mean, he ended up having, yeah. he, he sold... Uh, that and Willow. I forget what he, he, he sold um, something... To, because he lost the money on that, I, 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 it's rusty. I talked about it in the previous podcast, but I, I think like all it is is payback for, for for everybody harping on that being the worst film ever. And then he's like, "Okay, I'm like three more Star Wars. You people be groveling at me for like a decade. <laughs> Who's the god now?" Now all I know is when I saw Howard the Duck, I was like, "Well, one, it's not like the comic book." Because I was guilty. I, I was guilty of one of my chapters where I'm like, "Yeah, it's not like the book." Because, you know, Howard the Duck was more of a political character. It was, you know, he, he, he was more satire than anything else. And this movie was like a, a boy and his dog, basically. You know, not, not, not the, uh, the Don Johnson thing. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> they don't eat the girls for this one. Literally a boy and his dog. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now I love the boy and his dog. You know, the Don Johnson play. That, that's ridiculous. 
cool, but yeah, but you get what you get what I'm saying. I was like, well, yeah, this is sort of like Lassie and and you know and and, and Timmy, you know, and it's a love story. It's 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 kind of like ET, but. Like I said, the only real problem I had with the movie was the Howard is looking up, and I thought the, the costume head was going to fall off. Yeah, that's it. Well, to go to go back to, uh, they could have shaved off a half an hour, and it would have been perfect. <laughs> I, I think, I think back in the day, you know, when you say uh, the movie is this long because it's the director's vision, I think yeah. I agree and disagree with that. I agree that maybe in the past that that was the case. You know, the, with the <laughs> With the advent of multiplexes, where a film can show a movie 10, 15 times a day, if your movie yeah. is more than two hours, there's a certain yeah. number of times it can play on you, you so lose many money. screens. Yeah. Exactly, you're going to lose money. Back back in the day, I don't even know how far back you want to go, maybe 25, 30 years, maybe back in the early mm-hmm. 80s, late 70s, mm-hmm. movie, if a movie was two and a half hours, three hours, they were showing it on one screen. And there was an intermission. And it was an intermission, they were showing yeah. it all day. And it would play yeah, for a year. Correct. You're right, because back, uh, uh, let's see, what, like, you know, like for instance, when, when I was a kid and they, uh, and they uh, uh, reissued The Gone with the Wind, right. of course, they had the, the intermission in the center, and it was only, and this is before they really thought about having multiplexes. What right. uh, like, movie did I see where, like for instance, if you were to look at uh, on DVD right now, uh, uh, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang or, or, or <laughs> Drop the Doolittle, they have those intermissions. They have those overtures at the very beginning. Right. And they have like a little cut in the intermission in the center. And that's because it was geared for, as you said, theaters, one, one theater. Right. One movie theater that showed one movie only. And now you're, you're absolutely right. They are gearing things towards... So, uh, I think with the advent of multiplexes and... With the pretty much guarantee of doing anything you want on the DVD or Blu-ray, and now with streaming video and as well. streaming video, you can get a director to say, "Well, you know what? It, this is a two and a half hour film. I'll cut it back yeah. to an hour and fifty, hour and you know fifty-five, and then when the DVD yeah. and Blu-ray come out, I could say the unrated version with you know thirty-five more minutes of film." And but I think that's a selling point. But explain the success of the Lord of the Rings movies. Those movies, all three, came out at three hours tops. Right. Well, then, if you do the math, you can only play that so many times. And they were shown at multiplexes. That's yeah. the funny thing. Because I, 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 I had not thought about what you said until you just said it about, yes, perhaps the director needs to think about the commerce of, 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 of being uh, economical, about right. how much time somebody's going to sit in the theater when it's at a multiplex. I, I, that, that's a wonderful, wonderful uh, uh, analysis of that. But Thank you. I, 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 when I saw Lord of the Rings, uh, yeah, you know, the, people seeing that in droves at the multiplexes, and those were all three of those movies, three hours time. Three hours. Well, the return was about three hours and 20, because Jackson couldn't, he couldn't decide what ending to pick, so we picked all of them. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that movie made the most money out of all three anyway. I, I tell you, uh, I, in the book, uh, in, and of course, you know, as, as, a, as a, I'm, I'm hawking my words, so I must say, in the book, there are no bad audience, the bad movies are the bad audiences. Right. Um, we, uh, I, I mentioned uh, that uh, when I finally did get uh, The Lord of the Rings, uh, the, uh, the, the, oh, God, The Return of King, right. and, and I got the extended edition, I ain't lying to you. I, you know, I did really did cook uh, Thanksgiving there uh, uh, for, 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 for five almost. 
uh, looking at that thing. And I loved every minute of it, but Jesus Christ, that was terrible. You got to make time for it. It's the only you way to do it. You got to make time for it. You really do got to make time for it, but it's worth it. And and, I, and it made me, it did make me wonder, well, why did he bother editing it at all? I mean, it's three hours anyway. Probably, it, probably contract. Yeah. I, yeah usually, usually the studios will hold you to a certain number of minutes, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was I the mean, big thing okay. with Terry Gilliam with uh, Brazil. Yeah, oh, yeah. They oh, made him cut yeah. that to 90 when minutes. When I saw Brazil, oh, I saw Brazil, oh, I don't know how many damn times that came out, and I really didn't know, but I, the time flew for me. It really flew. I That, that was one of the most amazing films, uh, I think, uh, that that came out of, of that uh, at, at that time. And I don't think... I didn't see that at a... I did see that at a multiplex uh, when that came out. Okay. I'm, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think the, the environment in which I saw that. I'm trying to... Now, the one I want to ask you about the Peter Jackson thing, what did you guys think about the King Kong? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, John, <laughs> it's funny you should mention that. In my book, Monster Rally, I have I have a six I have a 16-page bad review about King Kong. Now, in my defense, sir, I was a huge Peter Jackson fan from the beginning. Uh, bad Taste, his first film. Oh, sure. Bad Taste, brilliant. Yeah, brilliant movie. every film he made was brilliant. Meet the Feebles, Dead Alive. I mean, or, or really known as uh, Meet the Feebles at the same time. Oh my God, Meet the Feebles is the most Awesome movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> great. He, every film was gold. Even The Frighteners, his first American film. I, I love that film. Dead, uh, what was it? What was out of? Uh, what did they? Uh, uh, damn it! Uh, Dead Alive. Dead Alive. Dead Alive. And then Heavenly oh. Creatures. Brain Heavenly Dead, Creatures as it was known uh, uh, outside brain of America. Dead. I was, I was trying to remember was Brain Dead, Dead Alive in America. I couldn't remember. Yeah, yeah. As so, so I was a huge, huge fan of his all the way up until King Kong. And what was your problem with King Kong? Everything. <laughs> I don't want to. I mean, I don't want to go into it too much because I don't. I, I, you know, I had everything I hated about the film. I thought the casting was horrible. I thought the writing was horrible. I thought I, he took. No, he he all right, you hated Jack Black. Is what you're saying? Oh, no, oh, oh, with a passion, yes. <laughs> and and also uh, and also um, what's his name? Oh, Adrian Brody. Adrian Brody is an excellent actor. Yeah. I hate him in half his films, and this is one of them. <laughs> all he does, to, all he does through the whole film is look sad and find jewelry. <laughs> That's it. And then he find, and he drives a car at the end. Whatever. <laughs> he drives a car. Then at the end, they do like the so scene from. Didn't like, so you didn't think Naomi Watts was awesome? I I thought she was in there just to take up time. I didn't think there was anything to do. Now, when you talk about a film like like the the whole idea, they could have shaved a half hour off. King Kong uh-huh. is a, it's a perfect example because if you time both of them, by the time yeah. the original film got to New York City with King Kong and Chains, Jack Black's yeah. just finding the island. <laughs> <laughs> and fa- so, what did you, now putting, putting a book on that, what did you think about the Jessica Lange 1970, whatever it was, uh, I can't remember, oh, Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges, yeah, Jeff Bridges, 76. Yeah, what did you, what did you think about that? Well, it's a product of the, well, it's funny too because when you look at it it's a product of the time when they did the remix in the 70s it was all kind of like they, they spent money on them but it was 
it was still kind of within a budget range. It, well, they didn't like they didn't break the bank on it. Yeah. Now, what yeah. The, the problem with King Kong is the Lord of the Rings is done. Peter Jackson's still in epic mode. If you watch that film, there's these long, like that whole thing in the, in the beginning with the, uh, the the theater closed down. Yeah. And all of a, oh, yeah. All of a yeah. sudden, this like vaudevillian actor breaks into soliloquy about the time period. Like, what? This is like it, he's like it's, it's like the elf guy talking <laughs> in the Lord of the Rings. It's just there's long slow passages. And it's my my theory, and I, I hold to this. I think when a a big director remakes a classic film, they should be allowed yeah. only the same budget prorated. Adjusted for inflation. If you adjust the, you take the budget that they made the original King Kong for, ju- adjust that for inflation, that's your limit for making the remake. Show me how brilliant you are. You, I tell you, I, uh, some people would agree with that when they did, uh, when uh, Ghostbusters did uh, Psycho. Oh. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, now, here's the problem, too. I, I swear to God, I wish I could see your physics, but... It's oh, like we're videotaping this. You'll see it. I, I want to give you a bowl of oatmeal and just to hear you do a spit take every time I mention the movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you a little story about Psycho, well, hang the on. remake. Well, hang on. Well, 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 what, what I, I'll give you, I prefer when they make a remake if they change everything about the movie, if they make some major changes to it. Yeah. I like that. If you're gonna If you're going to remake it, do like... Uh, uh, I, uh, nothing springs to mind at the moment. I'm drawing a blank. But like, like, do a new innovation on it. You know, change. Because well, I'm, I'm trying to think of uh, one. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other than. Uh, like, I have, I, like, I have so not like had a chance Grit, to see. Recent? I have had a chance to see the remake. Uh, I, I did just. I did see the remake of Friday the Thirteenth, but I didn't get a chance to see the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street. Now I can only judge from uh, from what I heard about the reviews, and I still want to see it. Because the reviews are like, eh. But actually, forget forget that. I want to talk about the Friday the 13th. I thought the remake of Friday the 13th was actually pretty damn awesome. And actually, I enjoyed the remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, even though the original, the, 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 the reason why I like the original so much is because it was even weirder, and it had, and, and you know, I, it kind of, it conjured up all those memories of me being a kid in the 70s. So it was sort of like a combination of it being a great, weird movie, Plus, it was a time capsule for that time. Sort of like when you look at uh, Lost Boys. It's it's a time capsule, but it's also, in my opinion, a really great movie. That's a great point. Yeah. It really is. Now, now when you mentioned like, The Nightmare on Elm Street, now, when, when you come to those classics being remade, my example of a good remake would be the Hills Have Eyes remake. Cause, cause, uh-oh. I got a sigh on that one. <laughs> I'm, 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 try, I'm, trying to, I'm, I'm trying to correlate. Uh... I did, I did indeed like the Hills Have Eyes remake. I really, I did. Cause I did. Uh, but there's something about having, you know, Berryman, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I mean, I, at least they took the idea, they were faithful to the original, which I love the original. The original was, you know, yeah. ahead of yeah. its time. And they, they added to it. They said, okay, let's go further with the, uh, you know, it may, it's not a perfect, but at least it was beyond the whole thing with, the, yeah, they're wearing bare loincloths. <laughs> you know the problem with now, you mentioned Nightmare on Elm Street. The problem with that, and with say Psycho remake, and yeah. and to an extent King Kong, is that they stick yeah. too close to the original. The the Nightmare on Elm Street literally is the same film, except instead uh-huh. of uh, listening to her Walkman, she's listening to an iPod. Okay. And and uh, they 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 do approach the one issue that they never approached in the original film was the fact that he was a child molester. 
Yeah, I heard that they put a little wrinkle on that. They, they do that, but they do it so late in the film, and it almost just feels like them going, yeah, they never mentioned it, we should mention it here. And it just it just seems like after the fact. I'm going to give it a go anyway. I'm going to give it a oh, go. Oh, no, I'm not saying don't see it. it it's But what, the one thing I found disappointing is, is they actually, there's like, you know, there's iconic scenes in the first film that they duplicate mm-hmm. in the new one. Why would you what even you do think, that? But what did you think about when Wes Craven returned to it by doing the new Nightmare? What did, how did you feel about that? Did you? Because I'm always asking people about that because, you know, everybody thought their first one and was the holy grail of everything, and especially, you know, Wes Craven created the thing, and all of a sudden he comes back and he revisits the character in such a way. What did you... What did you guys think about uh, I personally that? thought that it, it felt forced. Uh, we're, we're not Wes Craven fans. <laughs> <laughs> we, but I, uh, the new nightmare that, that uh, if I remember correctly, that was the one where uh, Robert England was Robert England. Yeah, the, the movie within a movie. Thing. Yeah, the movie within a movie. See, that's yeah, a red flag. Yeah. yeah, it felt forced. It felt like it. It just didn't need. I, I don't. It just didn't feel like there was any outcry for it. Instead of him making another Freddy film, I, I, all I know is that it definitely made up. Now, my, again, I was—I I, was—I'm a great audience for all our Nightmare on Elm Street films, save for one, and that was the 3D one. Right. I was an okay audience for that. Yeah, uh, oh, that was. Uh... And so when you, when new uh, when the new Nightmare came out, uh, he he, I, I I totally enjoyed that that gothic demonic movie with the movie all, all that stuff going on um, I thought I, matter of fact I think he was right on the heels of uh, was, this, was he did, did he do the Scream films or was he he hadn't done it to, yet he hadn't he hadn't uh-huh. done Scream yet he hadn't done Scream films so it seemed to me that he was preparing himself to be a quote unquote normal director Scream was like his uprising it, it was his uh, back into um Directorhood, but it was so it was like it was but being as like a kind of comic homage. You're almost making fun of your own type of film. Yeah, it's it's yeah. Like, and for to me that's almost like I, I like Scream, but I, I don't think it yeah. redeems him for for stuff like People Under the Stairs. <laughs> you know, that was one of those movies where they said, "Oh, it's a political satire against Ronald Reagan," and now it's like. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, I'm not a good audience for that. <laughs> no, no, no. But yeah, and I tell people you go right ahead, you go right ahead. And, and one of the things, and one of the reasons why I wrote the book is because I was trying my best to learn and teach other people how to go. You can like that movie and get that, you know, because you know the tone that we all get in our voice. Where it's like, you like that? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so I was. It, it's a, it, the book was for me, and the book is for other people, so we can all learn how to go. Well, you like that? Awesome. It's okay to like that. And go and then we can go home and go. Do you believe what that guy said? <laughs> 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 he actually liked that. You know, like for instance, uh, going back to Kevin McCarthy again, he was the reason. Well, I saw the movie uh, Human Centipede. Oh, oh yes, uh, good movie, and that is a film where he people hated the guts out of the movie. I was sitting there looking at Fox Five, and he's like, "Oh God, it's the worst thing you ever want to see." Oh my God, it's horrible, horrible, it's disgusting. Huh? And I was like, "Oh yeah." <laughs> <laughs> I went in there. I saw. I, you know, damn it. 
somebody's going to buy that movie for my birthday because I've got to have it on permanent rotation in my house because that movie was the funniest, grossest. There's nothing better than that slow motion chase scene. <laughs> I mean, have you ever in your life felt tense and, 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 and invigorated by watching a chase scene happening in slow motion like that in your life? You know, I... Oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I, no, I, I was agreeing with you. I mean, it, uh, I, we did a re- review of it in an earlier podcast, and I said, as, as a jaded moviegoer, I, I, yeah. I, I always say to myself, there's no new ideas. There's a new idea. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's, oh, yeah. I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, because, you know, everybody has said, I mean, uh, what, Roger Ebert had basically said, wow, I, I can't review this movie. I can't give it, I can't give it any rating whatsoever. That means he but liked it. Read, <laughs> you know, you know, so so I, I, I when I saw it, I was like, "Damn, this is wow!" And he's supposed to, the guy's supposed to be making a sequel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, because this uh, the first one it was it, planned. Yeah, it, it's called the Human Centipede: The First Sequence, right. which is the three. Uh, the second no, one. Is the hell, what, to the, say, what the hell? What else? Hell? What, what, I, I am curious to see where he's going to go with this because I think it's supposed to be twelve people. Seventeen. Seventeen now. I heard seventeen. <laughs> It's called the second sequence. <laughs> and then the third sequence is going to be... No, I think it's just two. Are they going to go millipede on that one? <laughs> well, I mean, you raise a good, you raise a good point, too. You get, I mean, it, it's, there, it's, a good, it's a well-made film. Yeah. But it's a subject matter that's going to turn off a lot of people. Yeah. And some people do, the minute they don't like a subject matter matter or it's something that treads into an area they're uncomfortable with they regard it as a bad movie horror films have that rap a lot that's the trick of it that's the trick of it and, and the funny thing about it is if you're going to use all the confines of what makes a great movie human centipede fits all of those things in my opinion because one it does understand that its subject matter is totally repellent to a lot of people but it also understands, it, it knows what to do with it. But there are a lot of scenes where you think it's going to go over the top, but he's really reserved about it. Oh, yeah. Um, like when he's, uh, when he's about to cut into somebody's flesh. It's like, they cut away. They show, they show you he's about to do it. You show he, they, they show him putting the scalpel or something. They cut away. They have the reaction. And... He does leave things to your imagination. And of course, even when you finally do, and, and if there's anybody listening who's going to want to go see it, go see it, because, because I'm going to spoil something. When you do finally see the city, it's so tastefully done. Uh, well, and, no, you're right. Uh, like, you know, technically, for... technically, you know what I mean? It's so tastefully done that you go, all right, I'm, I'm more propelled by the idea of this than what it really looks like. Yeah, for a um, film wanted... with, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. No, for a film no, with that type of subject matter, uh, it, yeah. it's very art house. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, and, and so that's why I was like, why can't you review this movie? Because this movie, it, it, if people would just say the subject matter is, uh, is going to get you, but it's handled in such a way where you could actually look at it. I mean, oh, uh, uh, because because it, yeah, it, it it, it, it's almost. To the point of, uh, uh, like a, 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 a Blair Witch Project, where the idea of it frightens you more than the movie itself. Uh, going to the dentist, the idea. 
idea of going to a dentist and seeing the scalpels and the and the drills and the and all that stuff scares you more than the actual thing. So when I saw Human Centipede, I was like scared to death before I saw it. And by the and, and the way the guy sets up the movie, so he lets you know I'm only going to go so far with this is when it opens up, you see him caressing a photograph of his three dogs. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. I mean, and I was like, oh, gotcha. And so I trusted the director enough to go. He says, look, yeah, the, the idea is crazy, but trust me. And I was like, okay, I do. I do. Now, here's a movie that I really, when I was hard-pressed to ask me, when somebody asked me, so what did you think of the movie Cannibal? Have you ever heard of the movie Cannibal? Which which, which one? Oh. It, it's based on the real-life account of this guy asking somebody to cannibalize him. Oh, that story, the German, the German guy. Yeah, the German guy. I don't know. So he actually advertised to, to, to cannibalize somebody else. And it was based on the story. Yeah, I'm not familiar with the film, but I'm familiar with the story. I remember the, 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 when that when that happened. He he, he put an ad in the paper, and then he, like he cut the guy's penis off and ate it. Oh my god! Why? Yeah. Is yeah. that what uh, that take on the the, uh, IT, the crowd, yeah. IT crowd? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when I saw the movie, I finally saw the movie, and like I said. I tried my best to go into things without saying, oh, it's good, it's bad, whatever. But I, the only reason why I would say it was a bad movie, because it was a bad movie, but a great documentary. And here's why. Because it shows everything. Really? It didn't have the same restraint as a human centipede, as far in my opinion of it, because... I mean, hell, even Hostel 2, uh, excuse me, Hostel, the first Hostel, right. showed, quote-unquote, some restraint, meaning it lets you know that, yeah, this is a movie, and, these, and this is a ridiculous situation, and this is a movie. Whereas when I saw the movie Cannibal, I was like, <laughs> my God. Yeah, yeah if you're going to push the envelope, you, you got to have something else to give besides just that pushing the the envelope you, right. yeah. you, you gotta have yeah. substance yeah. behind yeah. it I mean I'll, I'll go one further with you with The Human Centipede I mean for all the hype when we were first told about it by our, our friend Sean Philip Hines Esquire that's right we thought he was I was, I, I was thought he was kidding around like, it, no, was, it was during our live it was uh, the Oscar show it was our right? Oscar show from last year we were doing a live podcast uh, video stream a live stream and he mentioned uh-huh. it and so all the hype about the whole sewing people together thing that's what like, gets you in when you watch the movie, yeah. the the human centipede itself, which is this big controversial thing, is upstaged by Dieter Laser, the the lead actor. He is a powerhouse. He is every. He reminded me of Boris Karloff when he was in uh, uh, the what's it, the, uh, it was a Boris Karloff the film Raven? with uh, Bela Oh, the black cat. The black cat. The black cat. Yeah. One of my favorite favorite. He was a sculpture of a human being, just like Boris Karloff, and he had that, he, he, again, he was this archetypal, crazy German. Oh, bad shit insane. It was great. Oh, yeah. yeah. Upstages the human centipede. Yeah, that's what you're watching <laughs> the film. He, he was so good. The part, okay, again, I gotta have a geek moment with him. When he actually successfully makes the centipede, and he's sitting there laughing and happy about his his, his success, his, his triumph, I was like, damn, dude, I'm happy for you. I shouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you, 
gets that tear in his eye, and you're like, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because he's like, oh, I did it. Uh, I did it. Uh, and I was like, congratulations. I wanted to break out the champagne for him. Yeah, I mean, and the great thing about that is when you go into the film, you're thinking that the, the, the making of this human centipede is going to be the big climax of the film. That's the end of the first yeah. act. Yeah. Yeah, so he kept saying that. So I said to myself, well, where are you going to go from here? Oh, he went. And he was, you were absolutely right. He really was that good his character was so well fleshed out that you're right he upstaged everything everything and that's why i wonder how they, what they're going to do with the next one i mean but you said it's like a this so are you uh, so what, what are they saying that the human centipede is like the third of the trilogy and they're going to do one before that and one before that because no it's for, apparently he, i don't uh, so that's the first one yeah, that's the first one. I so I don't think the second one's a prequel because they're calling it the second sequence. Yeah, I think it's going to be a new villain. Yeah, which someone that'll pick okay. up his work. I uh, well, uh, whoever it is, I mean, again, I'm one of those people that I'm trying my best not to to judge one uh, judge a sequel against the original. I try my best not to do it, but that's right. You have a chapter story, about that. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah, the, the story. Like what is the, the one movie that people were really pissed off about that I always say is one of my favorite movies uh, of a sequel. And I forgot to put it in the book, uh, but it's uh, uh, Halloween Three: Season of the Witch. Oh, I love yeah, that one without Mike Myers. <laughs> yeah, I love the fact that it didn't have Mike Myers. <laughs> it didn't have Mike Myers, but the story, as far as I'm concerned, I was like, "Well, that's pretty damn good." It's 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 not going with the Michael Myers; it's going with the Halloween idea. That kind of touches. <laughs> On what we were talking about before, where if they do a remake or even a sequel, where they just do something new, yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, so yeah, yeah no, we we're in agreement, and that's Car- that was Carpenter, right? Carpenter produced, I right. oh, produced. You know, what, right. yeah. what did you think about Hellraiser, the sequel, Hellraiser Inferno? Uh, honestly, <laughs> I've n- I haven't, I never watched it. Honestly, I, I'm old school. I saw the first Hellraiser in the theater. Yeah. And the, the, what I liked about Hell... I mean, you, you talk about how people get criticized films for like not being realistic. You have to suspend yeah. your disbelief to a certain point. And I, I think, yeah. it, I think it, it depends on the, the setup and depends what the film's yeah. expecting you to believe. With the first Hellraiser, yeah. it gives you this fantasy world, but it's really... Yeah. It's, it has a set... It has set rules. It really defines the rules. And yeah. so there's a reality to it. And then every sequel after that just discarded those rules and just made up their own rules as they went along. I was... Uh, now, the, the sequel to Hellraiser, I found stuck with the rule. Oh. Of how, how, the second one stuck with the rule. The third one... No, no, no. The second one did not. No. No. The second one stuck with the rule? <laughs> no, everything... I fr- thought this... No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Hello? No, yeah. go ahead. Okay. I thought the second one definitely stuck with the rule. It... it, it the first one basically summoned them. The second one, basically, the, the, you had that young lady who worked with puzzles, and therefore, instead of bringing them to us, we went to them. You you got to actually see how hell works. All right. Now, first of all, in the in the first film, it took like three three or like almost half a dozen like businessmen that she lured up there to bring back this guy over a long period of time. Yeah, all it takes is one crazy guy with a razor blade to bring back the chick. All right. The second one. Yeah, the second uh, one. Yeah, I call uh, I call shenanigans on that. Then this doctor 
goes into the Cenobite making machine, which I'm, I'm really I don't like that. And <laughs> and, and this new Cenobite guy takes out all the old guys. These these like these these guys have been floating around for centuries supposedly, or, or at least decades. And he just takes them out in one shot. Come on. Well, why don't you gotta keep money at all those? Folks. They were rusty. They come out of and the funny thing about it was, they set the Shenard character up. That was his name, Dr. Shenard. <laughs> I'm having a geek again. He, <laughs> he basically, they said that his character, one of the patients said, 200 years, and the guy still doesn't know my name. Uh-huh. So, there's like the, so there's this mystery behind that character that I wish that they had explored more in the third movie. Um, uh, bringing him back completely. Um, uh, I, I, because he, again, you do know that they've been around for a long time, but the way that they did it, it, it makes you feel like, well, there's doorways to the, the, these doorways to hell just open out anywhere, any when, you know. And and I wish they would, I wish they had perhaps explored that more in the other movies instead of, again, me being the audience that I was for the third one and the fourth because I wasn't. A very good audience for the third movie or the fourth movie. You know, you know what I think the best Hellraiser sequel was? Which one did you think it was? It's one that wasn't meant to be a, a, a sequel. Um, Which one was that? Hor- Event Horizon. <laughs> no, if you take Event Horizon and you take that star drive they have in the center of it... That's and, the one with Sam Neill and Lawrence yeah, Fishburne. Yeah, okay. and, you make, and you make that a Lamont configuration in there, which is the puzzle box. There's my right. geek moment. You know, uh, when I saw Event Horizon... I was like, yeah, this is Hellraiser in space. Yeah, exactly. And that's and what it should have been. What? I had no problems with that. Didn't I, they try that? I love myself. I'm so glad you brought it because I love myself some, some Event Horizon. I thought <laughs> that was such a fun, fun, fun movie. I Because I, I knew it was Hellraiser as soon as I saw it. I was in Hellraiser space. This is cool. This is cool. This spaceship is a is a hell ship. I got you. I got you. The, the dimension they're talking about is hell. I, I know y'all, you guys are skirting around, and I was saying to myself, but you know, it was good. Yeah, but yeah. you didn't like it apparently. It, well, it, you, you did like it. Yeah, I did. Well, yeah, it, it was it was better than the Hellraiser in space they actually did. <laughs> yeah, because I, I like I said when I saw it, I was like, I'm not a good audience for this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, somebody, I said somebody's gonna like this. Somebody's going to love this movie, but I'm not one of those, you know, I'm, no, no, you know, <laughs> no. God bless whoever sees it. But you, you know what, a, a better ride that they put a little configuration box in there, you know, set it right there, it, it would have been the same, but I tell you, I'm glad it didn't. I'm glad it didn't because, you know, that was a great movie. Oh, I'm going to look that as soon as I hang up together, I'll look at that again. <laughs> <laughs> now you, you just used a phrase that you use repeatedly in your, uh, your book, which is, uh, there are no bad movies, just bad audiences. I'm gonna plug it again real quick. Um, yeah. the, the phrase that I'm not a good audience for this. Yes. And and you you kind of put all the all the the uh, the responsibility on the audience. Yeah. And that that's kind of where I, I part with you a little bit. I mean, because yes, we we do have we do have a. Uh, I, I've got arguments with people like with. Um, I remember when we went to see James Bond's uh, which one? Goldeneye, I think. The one where. Uh, <laughs> Well, yeah. Pierce Brosnan took over. Well, yeah, it's James Bond film, and there's a beginning scene where he like free falls into his plane while it's falling, and he's like, "Oh, that could never happen." It's like, dude, you know it's James Bond, right? None of this could happen. That's the whole point of this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and well, other like thing- in the Indiana Jones movie where you sit there and you watch him on a raft, and right. he goes off the side of a cliff, and he and it and it, and it floats down and it hits the water, and you know that when you hit water like that, you're dead. 
Yeah. <laughs> you hit on a spot like that, flat like that, you are dead. You just hit a brick wall, but no. You go back to no, Tom and Jerry and it hits the wall. Yeah. So, yeah, there is a responsibility on us as the audience to let the film do what it's trying to do, to have that suspension of disbelief, to to forgive a little bit, forgive the fact that, yeah, okay, if the special effects aren't up to snuff, forgive the fact that what they're trying to do and just go with it. We we have yeah. the response. I agree with you totally on that. But I think yeah. every, every now and then, though, you get a film that just doesn't care about you, and there is, <laughs> you get a film that literally just slaps you in the face for like a good two hours and just says... Give, you, give, me, give me, do you have a for instance so I can say, oh, I don't okay, want maybe... I don't want to use Avatar because I use that too much. What's 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 a, what's a film? Oh my that we... God! Okay, tell me Avatar. Hit me with Avatar. No, no, no. I don't, I don't want to use that one because that, that's that's too iffy. Because like everything, all my problems with that are are very uh, minor. It have to do with the the scope of the film versus like the quality of it. And that's that's nitpicky. What's what's one of those films that really just like drew venom that we re- uh, reviewed in the past? Um, I remember hearing people were really pissed off with uh, Spider Man Three. No, that no, was no, fun. No, no. We, we, we were okay with that. I was that. ready to hate that. That's another thing, too. You talk about, like, I, I, I will say, I've gone in the films ready to hate them and ended up going, yeah, that was good. I, I was wrong. Spider-Man 3 is one of those films. When I heard they were doing the Sandman, I was I would call Joey and say, Joey, they're doing the Sandman. It's the dumbest character ever from Spider-Man. And he's wearing the shirt. <laughs> and he's wearing the striped And when I'm watching the film and he pulls the striped shirt out of the drawer, I'm like, oh, no, not the striped shirt. This is horrible. And that turned out to be a really... Deep character. See, I'm, a, see, I'm, a, I'm an all right audience for Spider-Man anyway. You know, I, I was I was always more uh, the Batman fan, and I and I really was a Superman fan. So I saw the first two Spider-Man, and I'm like, well, you know, that's enough. I, I, I've seen enough. Oh, uh, there, there's a good example of a film that repeatedly slaps you in the face. How about uh, Batman Returns? <laughs> wait, wait, that's the second one, right? That's the second one. Yeah. You didn't like the Tim Burton Batman Returns? No. No, I didn't. <laughs> I did not like right. the whole idea. I mean, I read comic books. So I, even, even with comic books... Oh, you, oh, oh, thank God. Okay, good, good. With comic book fans. Good. Okay, okay, good. Good, good, good. Yeah, good. yeah. So, okay, so, now, now, okay, the facts you said that helps me to go, okay, you're not a numbskull. Good. Good, because <laughs> you read the You read comic books, so you know what you're talking about. Because I hate people who do not read comic books, they see the superhero movies, and they don't know what they're talking about. Sons of bitches. But go ahead, I'm listening. <laughs> I'm with you there. Yeah, I have a little background in comics. I used to work at a comic store. And, like, I know... Yeah, yeah there you go. See, so you know, like, even with comic books, there's, there's a... It's, it's fantasy. You have to give, but you yeah. have to stick to the rules, and you have to make some kind of sense. Now... Yeah. I can forgive the fact that they didn't keep the original Catwoman origin from like year one or year two, where she's a prostitute that like becomes a cat burglar because she's inspired by Batman. I'll give you that. Now, okay. just the origin alone, and we're not even going into uh, the Catwoman movie. We're just talking about Bat- yeah. you know, there's another one that just like just pummels you like a fist in the face for the entire time oh, you're watching it. The one with, uh, with Halle Berry? Yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> that that's just an. Uh, I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. I'm gonna have to tell you, I love that movie for. For, for 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 reasons that you will never or probably understand. <laughs> I love that movie because one, Halle Berry is hilarious. Again, have you guys seen the movie Troll Two? Yes, of, yes, yes, of course. Years ago, yeah. yeah. And let me tell you, if you go into the 
Catwoman or Troll 2 to see it as a serious film, you've done the wrong thing. Oh, no, but there's a difference, sir. Because we do got Catwoman who's fighting a cosmetic villainess, a villainess who is, who's, 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 whose super villainous power is a cosmetics company where the makeup turns your face into stone. I'm like, <laughs> damn. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I was like, this is, and I saw when I was done, when I went into it with a different frame uh, of I was like, oh, this is that's a power to make conventional sense. Okay, so I was a better audience for it. But go ahead, you were talking about Batman Returns. Yeah, all right. Uh, I can I can forgive them not using that original origin for Michelle Michelle Pfeiffer as no Michelle, yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer was yeah. Catwoman. Yeah, it was Catwoman, right? So, but her origin story is. Max Shrek, who Christopher Walken is the only shining light in this film. He's awesome because I mean, even when he, even when he bribes the monkey with the watch, he keeps the watch afterwards. <laughs> That's a bad guy right there. So Max Shrek shoves her out of a window. She's yeah. brought she's brought back to life by uh, Alley Cat's breathing on her, and then she proceeds to make an entire bodysuit out of a mini skirt and a leather jacket. Yeah. All right, you lost and me right there. And, and, and your problem is? <laughs> <laughs> First then, of all, so you've been like this before. Then, then, you've, got, then you've got uh, being raised in a sewer by penguins, <laughs> which is is pure just... Okay, you really just don't even want to try. I mean, the first film they tried to make a reality around. They tried to give you some some grounding, and then right off the bat, he just says, "Penguins raising him in the sewers." So, did you try, Tim? Did you <laughs> did you did you think more about this? I mean, and then well, he, you got to keep in mind. You got to keep in mind. All right, here, here's here's my how do you say my uh, uh, what is it uh, my apologist version of why Tim Burton allowed this to happen. Now you got to keep in mind this was in an abandoned theme park that had penguins that were abandoned. Now, mind you, mind you, the whole idea of a guy dressed as a bat is technically ridiculous. But, <laughs> sure, of course. But, but, you got the, so, so they, they said, okay, if we're going to have this guy dressed as a bat, then he's able to get away with all this stuff that he's getting away with dresses a bag. You got this penguin guy in the store. And you got this cat woman. And you got you, you it's like at what point do you what I'm saying is at which point do you say enough of me suspending my disbelief? At you what point? I'll give you the answer. At the Batman part? Or at the or the penguins in the sewer part. I'll give you my my answer is the circus midgets. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's where you lose me because you, you've got the penguin. You're going for a whole different villain. The the penguin uh-huh. has nothing to do with circus midgets. <laughs> that was the Joker's shit. Catwoman's got nothing to do with circus midgets. All of a sudden, we got circus clowns running around doing stuff. Why? <laughs> Where did that come from? You That's know. like the crow, the crow two. You ever? He, he mentions it in the book. You mentioned crow two? Yeah. Oh, oh my I missed God. that part. You missed that part. He does mention crow two, city of angels, in the book. H- horrible. Oh, well, man, I love crow two, <laughs> okay. City of angels, man. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on, John. When, when Iggy Pop is your best actor, when Iggy Pop's the savior, yeah, you're you got a trouble. problem. But John, John, I'm sitting through that whole film. 
Awesome, man. He was. That's what we're agreeing. Yeah, but he's not <laughs> what you call like. But the funny thing about the funny thing about Crow City Vandals is that first of all, you got to keep in mind uh, Brandon Lee wasn't that wasn't that great an actor in my opinion. So I sat there and I and I saw these movies for what they were. He ran out of time. <laughs> you no, know, yeah, he's dead. So that's why we got to elevate him to this James Dean status. I, I cried bullshit on that, and I just basically judged him for what it was. And it was a cool goth picture. So when the sequel came out, I was like, wow, I like all this surreal stuff going on. I like the fact that, uh, you know, I, I like that it's, uh, 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 it's something edgier about it. I, I like oh, sure. it. Oh, sure. I mean, I, I, went, I went in that film ready to like it because they had a French actor, which I thought was a bold step. Yeah. And... The whole idea where it was um, his daughter that was killed instead of like his girlfriend or something. Right. I was like, "Ooh, there's a new angle yeah. on the whole loved one being killed thing." And then, yeah. and then here, here's where I immediately knew I was in trouble. Not not the opening uh, narration, which is usually a red flag, but she yeah. takes the she takes the kid's finger paints and it starts painting the crow on his face, right? And I'm like, "Wow, this is yeah. a real touching moment." And then she yeah. says, "These were her finger paints, weren't they?" It's like, "Oh, we're dead. <laughs> That's it. We're gone." <laughs> Because we, I just now this film is just going to be just it, the film is just ad, admitted now that they're aiming for an audience of ten year olds. <laughs> you couldn't make that connection on your own. But here, that's not my. But here's my because here we talk about the line. Here's my line with the crow too. All right, I'll I'll buy the fact that this guy decides to try to catch capture the crow by this bizarre mousetrap th- th- concoction where so he's in a he's in a hang a cage fifty feet in the air to catch the crow. I'll buy that. I'll give you that. <laughs> I'll buy the fact that he stabs the crow with a knife and the knife goes into a glass globe. I'll, I'll give you that. But then, at the end, we, we again, we, we all know how the crow works based on the first film. They set, they set up the rules precisely, even though we lose yeah. some of the rules that were edited out of it because after he died. But we still know the rules. There's a set set of rules. Yeah. At the end, when all of a sudden, crows fly through him... <laughs> I'm like, what, did I fall asleep? What did I miss? They were metaphysical creatures. Yeah, I but mean, I accept, I, I accept them. I mean, if you can accept the fact that a crow helps a, a, a spiritual being cross from one side to the other, when in fact I heard it was someone, it was supposed to be a dove, a swan originally. And of course, I love the comic book, but if you can accept the fact that a, a crow does that, that if you stab this crow and there's this symbiotic feedback between the two of them, if you could accept that, then you could accept the fact that there's a whole sea. No, I can't. <laughs> just like that one. Huh? Well, I can accept. I can accept that there's more crows. I can't accept that they fly through his chest and somehow that re-energizes him. Beastmaster made more sense. <laughs> I don't know. For me, I kind of like. For me, I kind of like. Uh, oh, oh, I, I liked when that happened because it just it it, it 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 provided more of a supernatural quality to what's going on with that creature. I mean, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I found that I enjoyed that aspect of it. That, that this, all of these crows, all of these, uh, that, that perhaps that these crows are not necessarily always these corporeal, physical things. That sometimes they can turn into these. Maybe they're a little bit. They, what is it like with the movie? Uh, not with it. Uh, but yeah, like with it. Uh, like with the book, it where 
you know, these creatures can be translated as a crow, but they're probably something else altogether from wherever they come from, really. You know what I mean? Wait, which which so, movie did you say? Did you say It? Yeah, for, for, not, necessarily, not necessarily for the TV show It, which I love, but more of the book where... Okay. When, they talk about, when, you, when you talk about when you see the spider or... Because in the, in the, in the book they mention an uh, 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 entity... Uh, the, the good entity that was against the spider entity and, and it, and it really wasn't necessarily a spider, but as you looked at this entity, because I hate saying it because you end up getting trapped and saying, well, when you look at it, it said, and then you have it, like five, you know, you say it five times, but when you look at that being, your mind can only translate it as a spider, or when you look at the good being in that, in that story, your mind can only translate it as uh, a turtle, I think it was. And what my point was is that when you look at those crows, I was like, well, you know, it could happen, why not? I mean, I, again, I'm one of those people where I go to the movie as a, as a, as a writer, because I'm a writer as well, and, and I, as a, a geeky comic book fan, and I, and I allow, I say, wow, you, as you said, they set up a rule, but I'm like, maybe this is an additional wrinkle on that rule that we're not aware of, that, they, that they're introducing to us. Yeah, I I think what it comes down to, I just think yes, we have like I said before, we do have a responsibility as an audience, but the filmmakers have a responsibility too to communicate properly, unless unless they're right, unless their goal's not to. I mean, if you watch a David Lynch film, his whole point is to confuse you. You know, if you there are certain films where you watch like the Phantasm series, you, they're, they're the whole oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh yeah, but you go in. I mean, after after half an hour. You get the gist. Say, okay, you're just gonna throw weird shit at me. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, I can roll with that. Yeah. But did what, you see? Did you see Black Swan? I did. Not I, yet. Scott hasn't seen it yet, but I have. Um. Well, you know what I like about Black Swan. What? And and it's not even so much, um, what Aronofsky, uh, his film per se. It's the fact that Christopher Nolan is going to be done. With the third film, the, the, I don't know if you heard they picked the villains for uh, the Dark Knight Ri- Dark Knight Rises. Who are the villains going to be? Anne Hathaway is going to be Catwoman. Okay. And knowing Nolan, they're going to do the original storyline. And okay. uh, what's his face? Uh, the guy that played I'm Bronson already. is going to play Bane. So Bane? those are Bane. They're going to use Bane. Yep, they're going with Bane and Catwoman. Ooh. Oh. Uh, you say that now. You yeah. say that now, yes, but Nolan uh, will. Nolan's going to turn out a masterpiece. I can guarantee it. I'm saying it right now. Well, I mean, the only reason I mean, because I love the first two movies. Uh, I love the first two movies, but God, I, I again, I, I was not a very good fan of when they used Bane in that other Batman movie. Well, that was Joel Schumacher, and that's a whole other bag of walnuts. So <laughs> they turned that into ice capades. <laughs> but, and I really, and again, it's like if somebody loved that movie, and all you listeners out there, if you love Batman, or the Batman interrupt, if you love that movie, continue to love that movie. But no. also know <laughs> that I was going, oh my God, what are you doing to my Uma Thurman? <laughs> See, that's what I'm talking about. Batman, Batman and Robin is one of those films where it just, just. Smacks you in the face it, for it, two hours. It just says, hi, how you doing? And then just punches you in the stomach. Like, what, what was that about? Take two of these and call me in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and mind you, I, 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 I take full responsibility for not liking that movie. 
it's my fault that I hated that movie. <laughs> no, it's not your well, fault, sir. <laughs> get no, it, get it, it, you're too hard on yourself. Because Joel Schumacher wanted to make that movie. And the far be it from me as an audience to tell him how to make a movie. <laughs> yeah, this, uh, but going back to Black Swan. Uh-oh. My oh, whole yeah. thing with Black Swan, I really enjoyed the film. But I know Christopher Nolan, after this film in 2012, it's going to coming out in July, he's done with the trilogy. Yeah. That's his trilogy. And he's going to be done with it. Now, Aronofsky, I don't know if you knew, was can, option. Can, can, you, can you guys hear my phone like, doing that thing? I, I'm not, because all the sorry is, if it's disturbing, but if it is, somebody's trying to call me, forgive me. What, Requiem? No, someone's trying to call me. Oh. No, somebody's trying to call me. Can you still hear me? Yeah, yeah, oh, of course. Okay, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Okay. Um, when Nolan is done... They're going to continue the franchise for Batman. It's it's a cash cow at this point. Nolan has revived it. Now, Aronofsky okay. was optioned to do Batman Begins, but he strayed away from it because... What was that? Isn't he doing Wolverine? Uh, he's doing Wolverine, yes. He's mm-hmm. He's just been signed to do the Wolverine, it's being called. Um, but since he's going to be doing that, I have a feeling... They're going to bring him out to continue the franchise. Right, because he wanted to go more year one with Batman Begins. Nolan did year one, but he you know changed it up a little bit, and it was a very good film. But what I want to see is what Aronofsky's take, just based on what I saw in Black Swan, because I could definitely see some cool elements he could bring to Batman based on Black Swan. I'd love to see an Aronofsky Batman sure. now, definitely. Aronofsky, I've always, I mean, obviously I have a chapter uh, where I just talk about this. He's always, I mean, all the way from when he did Pi, I was like, wow. He's never disappointed, guy, in my opinion. Huh? He's never disappointed, in my opinion. Well, now, now you say that, but did you see The Fountain? Because uh, I love The Fountain, but I, I'm always curious to hear what other people think about the movie The Fountain. I think for his first mainstream-type film, he handled that extremely well. But I get the feeling that he didn't really like to go that way because of the films he actually made after that. He has a certain style, and I think the studios wanted a certain style, which he did deliver, but you could definitely tell it was a little too mainstream even for him. And that's why you see films like Black Swan and The Wrestler uh, and that's why they look the way they do with a lot of the handheld cam stuff and well, just the way he does I the visuals. Black Swan, it definitely went back to his uh, to, to his pie and to his record for a dream feet. Right. Because I, I tell you, who saw it? Who didn't see it? Who, who, which one of you guys didn't see it again? What, Black Swan? I have not seen Scott Black Swan Scott hasn't yet. seen it yet. He'll see it this weekend, okay, I'm okay. sure. Please, God, go see that movie because oh, no, definitely. It's, for, it's, it's the movie for every weirdo on the planet and it's a movie oddly enough for people who want to see you know kind of like a mainstream film uh, don't, don't you think it was, it was a mainstream film but it was it was done so yeah it was watching David Lynch making a movie again to a, to a certain degree right and I was like this because you go into oh, I can't I'm not going to say it because I don't want to run but no, 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 definitely. Are, yeah, you, are you talking Blue Velvet, David Lynch? Or are you talking uh, Lost Highways, David Lynch? Because there's, there's a couple David Lynches. Which one was the second one you said? Uh, Lost Highways. Lost Highway. Uh, uh, I, I think Black Swan would probably I, go more Blue Velvet. Asking him. 
I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, blue. It, 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 it did immediately remind me of blue velvet. Okay. Uh, uh, but mind you, there are elements in uh, Lost Highway where it's such a universe of its own. You mm-hmm. go into it and you go, "What the hell is going on?" And 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 because I love Lost Highway, I I I was like, "Wow, wow!" It's an experience. <laughs> I haven't seen it in a long time, actually. Yeah, I should revisit it. I saw it in a theater. Oh, yeah. I was drunk at the time too, so that was even more fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm telling you, Lost Highway for me when I first saw it, 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 it was so good that when I saw my own drive. I was disappointed because it used the same story, kind of. Uh-huh, yeah. And then when I finally started, when I got over myself and and said, okay, let me just take a look at this movie for what it is. And again, I also saw my home drop the same time I saw Donnie Darker. Oh, there you oh, go. sure. Now, see there. No, go ahead. No, I was because you asked what, uh, what I thought about the fountain, and you mentioned Donnie Darko, and then we talk about Lost Highways. There are kind of films like those where I think all three of those films we just mentioned, Donnie Darko, Lost Highway, um, Fountain, are excellent films. But oh, yeah. but when I've mentioned to other people, I I hedge it with you might not like this. These are very these are very these films are geared to people who are are this is it's a specific audience. And your more yeah, casual viewers aren't going to understand the fountain or want and again, to. That, and again, that's basically uh, again the premise for the book was you know you you do have to really keep in mind that because uh, I'm always prefacing my sentences to people. Well, I really enjoyed it, but I always had these uh, kinds of friends where they were like totally snobs against art house films. Yeah. And so, you know, because they do like art house films, automatically, you know, they assume that, well, you know, John's like, you know, he, he, had a, you know, he ain't in the normal movies. And I'm like, I'm like, I enjoy everything. And, you know, it was getting to a point where I was like, you know, guys, you're going to have to stop looking down your nose at me because I like art house films. Because, you know, I, I, I love Van Helsing. You know, that ain't no art house film by any stretch of the imagination. But, I'm sorry, uh, I just had to recover from you saying Van Helsing. <laughs> oh, I love Van Helsing. Man, oh, God. It's like, I love, and here's why I love that movie. I love that movie because it did take... You were drunk, too? No, <laughs> I love Van Helsing because it took such liberties with sacred cows. I was so happy. They sat there and they, 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 they said, okay... They said, okay, you know, Van Helsing, you know, everybody loves Van Helsing. He's precious. He's sacred cow. Let's turn him into a James Bond character. And I was like, awesome! And then they were like, with Frankenstein. They turned him into this Shakespearean, biblical, uh, you know, Bible-spouting thing. And I was like, awesome! You know, great! They made Dracula this nutcase, you know, comedian almost. They, and I was like, good! They, 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 they gave me the unexpected with things that I with the characters that are sacred cow and that's and that's why I love it because it took major liberties took major chances and then it turned some really great Ray Harryhausen type bosses in it I was like you got me I'm fine I don't have to see another movie <laughs> alright now I, I, I'm going to refrain from even 
responding to Van Helsing, but I will say that Joey and I, our next podcast, we're going to review that because of this. Because if we start talking about it now, it's going to be a half an hour. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm checking now. We've been talking for an hour and a half, and I'm sure you've got other things to do today, so I want to wrap it up a bit. One thing what I want to ask okay. you is, what I want to do is... Guys, let me tell you, I've had a great, 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 great time talking to you guys. Thank you, us as well. Oh, me too. I, and I got a feeling if I didn't stop this, we could go all day. We, I mean, I think all of us love films and love talking about them, and you can tell that's where it's going to go from here. So I got one more question for you that I planned on asking before. Okay, good. All right, and this is a trick question. Okay. What's the worst film you've ever seen? The worst movie I've never seen? The worst movie you have ever seen. The worst movie I've ever, ever seen. Yes. Um, again, I, it was uh, uh, that movie Cannibal that I mentioned. And that's technically, uh, if, like, again, you, you ask me a question, I'm going to be very honest. I was a very, very bad audience. And I thought it was a really bad movie uh, simply because it forgot that it was a movie. Um, uh, okay. I, I, I want, again, it, all of us have expectations, obviously. Uh, and again, this movie is going to be great for somebody else. But in my opinion, it was, uh, it, it didn't, it, if I, I, I hate doing this. I hate comparing one to the other because this is just unfair to do. I mean, if you, you know what I mean? It's, like, it's hard to compare one to the other. But to, I have to compare a movie that was so critically railed against, like Human Centipede, this movie because it's in the same genre uh, but and, and obviously the director was trying to do something different but I, I tend to like my horror films to understand that it's a horror film yeah okay and, I can see that sure. and, this, and again in my, in my opinion this horror film wasn't a horror film it was a bad horror film but a great documentary or a great snuff film Gotcha. <laughs> well, now you're talking snuff films. It's a whole different category. <laughs> and you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Because sure. That, and, and that's how I judge a horror film. Because I know everybody's like, well, he says it's there, there are no bad movies. They're like, well, there are going to be people who think that there are bad movies and they're entitled to think that. But again, my opinion, and, oh. and, I, and if somebody goes out to see it, knock yourself out. But I don't ever want to talk to you again. Because... <laughs> Because it just, it, 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 it made me feel like somebody made a movie for Charles Manson mm-hmm. for his own personal enjoyment. And I felt disgusting. Human Centipede, when I saw that, I was like, oh, the directors let me know this is a joke. It was like a celebration of life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, thank, th- thanks for answering that truthfully, John. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah, now, just no problem. now, just just wrap this up. Let, uh, let me let let our listeners know uh, where they can find your book, and if you've got any appearances okay. coming up in the near future, you want us to plug for you. Oh, uh, right now, uh, right now, uh, the book is available exclusively through Amazon.com. So please do indeed go to Amazon.com. Uh, appearances. I'm not doing any appearances uh, up until the summer. We're all. Uh, it's going to be an artist fear uh, uh, as part of the Spooky Movie Film Festival, but uh, I don't have any specific dates for that yet. And plus, the, uh, Dr. Sarcophaga, the character of Dr. Sarcophaga, is putting out a, a CD of music. Oh, oh cool. <laughs> yeah, so, and so 
some point, that's going to be uh, exclusively at Amazon through their uh, MP3 uh, area. And uh, the, the name of the album is, of course, uh, Dr. Sarcophagi. It's called Demo Demons, D- Demons, uh, The Mini Moons of Dr. Sarcophagi. And it, uh, it's got about 10 songs on there. Uh, <laughs> and uh, when it comes out, I, I hope everybody enjoys it. <laughs> oh, when that comes out, let us know and we'll plug it, definitely. Yeah, we'll do another call. Oh, yeah, yeah, no problem, no problem. And again, thanks for having me. You guys are hilarious, hilarious. Uh, I'd love, to to love to talk to you about the Green Liner movie one day. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Matter of fact, when it comes out, I'm calling you guys specifically to find out what you think about it. Oh, let, you got it. Let me know whenever you want to give us a call, please. Definitely. Okay. No, thank you, John. Thank, thank you, absolutely. And you have a good afternoon, okay? Okay, you too. Thanks a lot. Take care. All right. Take too. care. Bye. All right, bye. Okay. Bye bye. Wow. So, all right. That was the that was uh, the funny, hilarious, great John Dimes. John Dimes. He, I, I, author I, of uh, "There Are No Bad Movies, Just Bad Audiences." When, when he first emailed me, I was like, "We got to get him on the show because this, this guy, this guy's a trip." Uh, sorry, we've been going for a while, so why yeah. don't we take a quick break? Well, no, I think we're gonna wrap up this episode. You want to wrap it up? It's an hour and a half, dude. Let's okay, just, let's just do, this. This is the this is the sarcophagi episode. You got right. this is dedicated to you, that. John. Because all right. this is all I you, mean, buddy. I mean, you, I mean, honestly, when it comes like he's 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 looking to plug his book. I know that because I'm plugging my own books, which I, I which I won't do this episode. <laughs> uh, I'll just we'll just plug John's. But he could have just like said, "Oh, my book is this, my book is that," and have his you know a list of things he has to say about it, and keep it. He really only mentioned his book twice during our whole conversation here. Yeah, I and, mean, we and, were going back and forth with chapters, and, and, but we didn't say the name every time we did it. You can just tell reading this book that that he is a movie fan, and that's oh, the kind of person we got to talk to. Absolutely. And I, if I hadn't stopped that, we would have done a four-hour episode. I know we would have had to cut it in two, three. Parts. We would have gone Easy. until my phone battery died, which the the, the, the droids battery is pretty good. I don't think we yeah, would have gone no. four hours. Yeah, sure. So yeah, so, so I mean, once again, thank John. Di- thank you to John Dimes for for phoning us in today and doing this interview. And you can find this book on Amazon dot com. Do a search for John Dimes. We'll have a. I'll put a link up on the site, or Joey will. Yeah, I'll do it. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll put a. I'll link it on our uh, Facebook and our blog. Sounds good. And and check it out. It, it's called. There are no bad movies. Just bad audiences. Just bad audiences. And it really, it's, it's, a, it's a quick, fun read, and he really touches all the bases on all the arguments against films and against people like us who, who mock and ridicule films for being bad. Yeah. And, so. and, and stay tuned soon for our, our uh, dedicated to Mr. Dimes, our Van Helsing episode. <laughs> I can't where, wait to do that Where we will now. tear apart that, that monstrosity. Yeah. Of <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, John. Yeah, <laughs> I just want to. I've, I've already been. I've already been in awkward social situations with that film. So I got <laughs> which we'll touch upon when we do that we episode. Did, I think. Yeah, I think we talked about that. In the I, episode, I, I think yeah. we did talk about it, but it's definitely oh. worth mentioning again. Yeah. So if you guys want to get in touch with us, you can email us at themovieguys at movieguys dot com. I'm sorry, themovieguys at moviesucktastic dot com. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. All Once right. again, themovieguys at moviesucktastic dot com. Uh, Which you can find at moviesucktastic.com. Right. Uh, you can get you can listen to the show for free on the website through the uh, in streaming or download. You can listen to it on iTunes, 
Podcast.com or Podcast Alley? I don't know. Podcast.com and Podcast Alley haven't been updating regularly recently. I don't know what's I, going on. you know on what? I use the same XML file that I use for iTunes. When I update that, I update all, all of them are supposed to be. It just stopped updating at episode 21. Yeah, you know what? We're going to keep the links up on the site and hope that it's just a glitch. Now, I'm trying yeah, to figure it out. We got to contact them. But until uh, up until until we get that going, I would just recommend go to iTunes or go to MovieSucktastic.com. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and you can, so. either, either one you can download it free. It's always free. And from moviesucktastic.com, you can find all of our other stuff. And we also have our review section now is linked to lunch.com. Yep. We have a community on lunch.com where you can post your own bad reviews. Members are getting up there. Oh, yeah, yeah. I it's, was, it's, uh, yeah, I was very happy about that. Yeah. Uh, and then also uh, we have a video section now on YouTube for all oh, our videos. Oh, yes, yes. And we've, um, we've been adding some new ones. I'm trying to update some of the old ones, actually. Yeah. Uh, we have the Exotica Expo that we went to, all those videos, which we are going to talk about in a future podcast. Or, or a previous podcast, depending on how we number these. <laughs> That's true. We might go back we're, in time. We're recording like five episodes today. We're just going for broke. <laughs> So, uh, but no, uh, definitely, you'll find us just about anywhere. Even if you just did a search, you'll find us. So, this is Joey signing out. This is Scott signing in, <laughs> and we will catch you yeah, in another. It's time. be a Mobius trip now. He's attached this, attached the, this end to the beginning of the episode, and you can listen to us talk to John Dimes for eternity. Oh, I don't recommend it, but it is possible. <laughs> Let's get out of here. All right, and, and just remember, just because you can do it doesn't mean you should. Thank <laughs> you.